welcome back to First Generation, a podcast for the first generation Asian kids navigating adulthood. I know, I know, I'm two weeks late to episode nine. Um, you know that feeling when you procrastinate because life happens, but then the longer you procrastinate, the more ashamed you feel about it, and so you put it off for even longer. Um, that's exactly what happened here, and I am sorry, but I am back at it. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month in the U.S. So for episode nine, I talked to a good friend, Sharon, about how we used to do community work in Chinatown when we were teenagers, um, and we talk about how we feel now in regards to diversity and inclusion initiatives at our workplaces. Now that our day-to-day jobs are not really involved in community building, and how it can be mentally draining to participate in these discussions sometimes. It's a complicated feeling to have now, especially given all the anti-Asian hate crimes in the U.S. But burnout is real, and so it's good to acknowledge that. We also reflect on how we used to think about life in very binary terms: either you're all in or you're not. There's nothing in between. Um, and how we're actively trying to unlearn these patterns so that we can acknowledge there's a lot of gray space along these two polar opposites, and um, to allow ourselves to explore life along that gradient. Um, so I hope you enjoy this episode. And sorry again for being two weeks late, but I hope you enjoy this one. I basically regard you as like one of my childhood friends, even though technically we met when I was 19. Yeah, but it's kind of like an era of the past, and it's far back enough for me to kind of feel like it was a baby Jen meeting baby Sharon. So I still see you as a childhood friend.、Um, you and I have、uh, worked together. We worked in Chinatown at a health clinic, but more in the youth center part of the health clinic. And so, obviously, a lot of our work was around like advocating for Asian American youth, just like people who were. Younger and like from our backgrounds, you know. Obviously, we graduated high school or college and moved on to other things. You're now a product designer. Our day to day work, at least, doesn't really touch upon advocacy. But yeah, I wonder, you know, now that you're a working adult, do you ever feel responsible for picking up these types of advocacy work outside of your job now, since it's not something that you do on the day to day? I definitely do. I think I still somehow end up.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it finds me or if I seek it out or I'm hypersensitive to, you know, this sort of giving back to the community or helping the community in some way or being some sort of, I don't know, pillar of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> you don't sound convinced. <laughs> Well, because I don't think I'm the best person to, or、mm. I don't see myself as an advocate,、um, yeah. nor do I see myself as like any sort of activist、um, in the community. Because a lot of the work that I do now、um, related to design is removed from community. But ever since the resource center, I was 15,、mm-hmm. and like you were saying, you, you were 19 then, and I think that sort of work really. Influenced or inspired me to continue pursuing it because it felt so urgent to me at that time. I think my project was around microaggressions when I was fifteen in the Asian American community,、mm-hmm. and I just didn't even realize that all of the things I was feeling in America around feeling like I belonged or like 
understanding finally what those encounters on the street when I was with my parents, what they meant. That translated into seeking that sort of work out to help other people in my community, even within like throughout college, joining different clubs like Asian American Center and social justice resource centers and trying to find places for solidarity and understanding, but not really knowing what the actual agenda item is beyond just just understanding, I think. You know, you didn't really have a goal in mind, right? It was more just kind of like, oh, this is a shared space and it's where I can talk about these topics and kind of hear concrete words and definitions being tied to experiences that I see and I feel. Mm -hmm. And it just, in a way, like we're doing it because it felt good for us. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Then we moved, we, you know, graduated and moved on to full-time jobs, right? Like, I felt like, so you mentioned that something that you felt pressured to do or that you felt like you should do was maybe join a lot of these like, you know, diversity initiatives at work. For me, it definitely reflected in a very similar way. I felt like it was like the thing I should be doing, right? Like, oh, when I worked at IBM, I should join the Asian American Professional Association. Same thing at Amex, but um, I actually wasn't really interested in it. And it's still Mm -hmm. something I'm trying to understand, like, why was I not interested in it, given what we used to do together at, you know, the health center? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it felt important for me to get involved when I entered my full-time job. At my company, it's a pretty small company, a little bit less than half um, are people of color. But at that time, when I first joined, um, there, the George Floyd protests were happening. So that kind of started the diversity and inclusion initiative, but it just felt wrong to see that happening um, without people of color talking about it or being involved in it. Mm. And so I felt like I needed to be some sort of voice. I know I can't speak for other communities. I can't even speak for my own community, like by myself. I am not, you know, the Mm. primary voice or But it felt important to be a part of it so that, I mean, leadership is mostly white. So I was like, I can't just let this happen without at least one person of color's voice. Um, It's good for there to be representation. But sometimes I just, to be very honest, I get kind of tired of all of it. Oh, totally. I think after we worked together at that health center for a long time after, I was like, I don't really want to touch advocacy work around Asian American communities. Mm -hmm. And it feels controversial to say, especially at this time right now. Um, But I I do think like, like burnout is real. Like sometimes you just don't want to talk about the challenges, right? You just want to talk about like, what everyone else is talking about. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Like, I don't find it any less important. It's just more like, oh, I'm just kind of drained. (laughs) right now I don't really want to talk about it um but yeah I I totally think that's true and I (laughs) totally resonate with it because I think I felt very tired I mean even in places where you're talking about shared experiences and maybe you're venting maybe you're trying to come to understanding or validation with one another it feels very exhausting to have to talk about this stuff all the time Sometimes you just feel like you want to live like a normal person and not have to share your burdens or struggles all the time. You just want to share 
things you're excited about, things that you're joyful about, things like that, where it's a positive outlook on life versus this very heavy, exhausting way of looking at the world around you. Oftentimes when, you know, we talk about being a child of immigrants or being from a low-income background or, you know, any of these, like, I guess, more marginalized identities, right? Like you feel like it always kind of sounds like, oh, here are all the challenges. And I think they're very much valid. But yeah, it gets tiring because you don't always Mm want to put this up on display and you don't always want to have to dissect this. I think there's a way that we can talk about it where it's not detracting from your energy, right? Like there's so many good things about being a child of immigrants that we don't maybe Mm -hmm. talk about often. But I don't know. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you kind of want to vent about it and you want to have like this big part of you kind of known to the world but at the same time when you're expected to take on this role or like when you're expected to have to talk about it all the time it gets really tiring like all this stuff about um what's happening in new york city Mm -hmm. and actually because i'm not in new york anymore are you ever scared to like ride the subway (laughs) Because it looks yeah. scary. It looks a lot scarier now that I'm not in New York and I'm just looking at right. like videos and reading the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am. I am very <laughs> skittish. Yeah, pretty concerned about my safety and other women around me and their safety. Because, I mean, I think the most recent thing, Christina Lee, happening in Chinatown. Chinatown is a very special place, too. Yeah. I assume both of us, because we worked there, we spent so much time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We spent so much time there. And that park, where it's very close to her home, Mm -hmm. I think that brings up a lot of different sorts of emotions. It's a weird time. Like, we just talked about how we were kind of exhausted about it. And then, you know, you see this in the news yeah. and you're like, do I have a right to be exhausted? Like, right. um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely am not as involved as actually I'm not involved at all. Um, all I do mm-hmm. is I read about it and I don't really know what to do, to be honest. I've told my mm-hmm. mom, like, try to avoid Chinatown as much as you can. Yeah. But then also that feels wrong to tell someone mm-hmm. to. Because my mom always goes to Chinatown. Like, I think our parents do, right? right? Every Sunday to buy Mm -hmm. groceries. Yeah. And that's, like, where their friends are. So it kind of feels wrong to be, like, just avoid that (laughs) altogether. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I also told my parents the same thing. But it's, like, they have their doctor's appointments there. And they get groceries there. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of not really practical to tell them that. Um, But I think even for my own safety... Mm-hmm. it's like thinking about ways to conceal my identity like putting sunglasses on so not to like give away you know my <laughs> <laughs> my appearance or you know putting a hat on me I haven't done these things but I have heard um, yeah but you've thought people. about it yeah I did think about it um <laughs> which which is crazy I mean yeah like you I walk out on the street sometimes and I think my anxiety of being or anxiety around my safety is just like through the roof because I'm like Mm. looking at things on around me and I'm like what can I use as a weapon if I get like (laughs) harassed you know (laughs) oh my god yeah it's horrible but it's so horrible and I can't believe it's reality that it's you know you almost kind of have to laugh about it Yeah. yeah yeah totally we talk a lot about like 
you know, being a child of immigrants or, you know, being Asian American woman, you know, what are some things that we feel are quite pronounced in our values? Like being an absolutist, there is a good way to be acting and then there is the not so good way, a very black and white mentality. I wonder if that's something that you have felt yeah, I think that I do this a lot less now, but when I was abroad in Germany and living there, um, a lot of my friends were German, and I think they saw me as an American who my mentality was very binary. So it's either this or that, and it's never something in between. There is no gray area. It's either or. Um and maybe this comes with like a scarcity mindset of if it's not this, then it has to be this. It comes with feeling that if you pick one option over the other, then there are consequences if it's one over the other. And that's why there's like no room for failure of any sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the American part or the Asian part or both, but it's interesting because um, I think growing up, did your parents, did they compare you with other siblings or other like cousins in the family um, yeah. and kind of like base their assessment of someone on a scale almost, right? Like, oh, this is the yeah. smart one or like this is the, uh, you know, wild one or whatever, right? So always creating right. some sort of reference point. And so, yes. yeah, like did they, did they do that? Yeah. This is, it feels like it's almost a given from an Asian family. <laughs> yeah. The the topics of conversation are always about your appearance or how your grades are or, you know, how much money yeah. you're making. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is definitely in reference to someone else in the family or, you know, mm-hmm. family, friends, things like that. And I see it happen a lot in my family. Um, I hear about it in other friends' families. Yeah. Uh, I really do think always talking about someone in reference to another person can kind of contribute to this mentality of like this or that binary. You're either, you know, successful like this cousin or you're, you know, not successful like that other cousin, right? There's never really a gradient or a honest assessment, reassessment of like, okay, well, what does it mean to be successful? But yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that culture of comparison can kind of contribute to it yeah and and I think um, a little bit of tangent also comes from growing up feeling like you have to choose between you're Asian or you're American Mm. and this is not any novel topic because I think there's tons of novels written about it already and you know think pieces and whatnot written about this sort of topic not just Asian Americans but probably um, you know all types of immigrants who have come to the U.S. and feeling like they have to choose. Um, You kind of see this replicated Mm -hmm. even in current events with Eileen Gu and her choosing the Chinese Olympic team over Mm -hmm. the American one and getting reprimanded for that decision. Yeah, I mean, that's a totally separate controversy, but sort of relates, you know, to Mm -hmm. feeling forced to have to decide who you are um, Mm -hmm. from a very young age. I think that's a very thoughtful reflection of why you're more prone to think about things in the binary. So how does this kind of impact your day-to-day life? When you realized it in Germany, when your friends told you about Mm -hmm. it, how did they see it? I think they saw it as a very stubborn thing. Um, 
of in my within my personality and I didn't really understand when they told me and it's not until I left Germany that I was like oh I get what they're talking about um I, I think moving to Germany I it was what I wanted but a part of it was also feeling very burdened by having to decide who I am in the US or having a lot of strings attached to who I am in America and wanting to avoid that and leave um like cutting ties with my family not cutting ties entirely but at least being far away enough from them and from New York and from Boston to understand who I am without mm-hmm. them um because it it felt like I I really had to know when I was there or when I am here <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, whereas like being farther away from the US or you know just where you grew up and being away from your family, mm-hmm. you get to live in that gradient and explore in yeah. that gradient as opposed mm-hmm. to saying this is who I am. Um mm-hmm. and by picking this that excludes this other option or yeah. this other identity. Yeah, this idea of both things could be true. I don't think this was really an introduced idea until very recently. Another bu- interesting binary, right, is like between financial stability and I guess mm-hmm. freedom, right? I um the freedom to pursue anything you want to pursue because you have the flexibility and the resources to do that. That was a binary that I kind of played mm-hmm. into and still sometimes find myself um believing in right I'm al- I almost feel like oh I I I'm trapped um or like my my creativity is kind of inhibited if I am seeking after financial s- stability and then the reverse mm-hmm. is true like that is a narrative that I tell myself and I think it's a narrative that a lot of um you know maybe child of immigrants people similar to our backgrounds may have if they grew up you know um in that kind of environment where you feel like you have to you have to chase after financial stability because that's what your parents are chasing after right um mm-hmm. through ex- either explicitly or implicitly like they've shown you that that's kind of paramount to everything else and so yeah i guess for when we when when you talked about like things being this or that, you know, there's no in between. That was kind of how I saw the world, right? It's like either this job gives me financial stability or, you know, I F it all and I like go and be unemployed somewhere for like a couple of months, right? And I never right. saw it as like there's anything in between. I also think that way um, <laughs> that financial stability will afford me freedom um, to do whatever I want and not mm. feel that I have an option in between that. but i think definitely trying to unlearn that pattern and seeing that there are many options in which mm. you can succeed and you definitely learn that from being away for a while i think living abroad i mean you're probably learning this now too where you can probably afford to do what you want and also work at the same time or like not feel yeah. like you're totally financially stable um mm. yeah. oh absolutely girl i mean you know <laughs> I bought a place. Um the whole other topic can be created out of, you know, us feeling the pressure to buy property at a, at a young right. age because our mm-hmm. parents see it as like the definition of, you know, achieving the American dream. Uh but yeah, 
definitely stressed out over buying that property because Mm -hmm. a year later I was like, wait, I kind of want to action on this, you know, desire that I've always had to move to Asia for some time and explore it. And it was like the biggest mental struggle because like you said, I was living in the binary. I was thinking, okay, well, if I, I am either choosing between financial stability, which is I keep my apartment that I just purchased um, Mm. and I live there so that I can, you know, pay off my mortgage while living there instead of paying double rent, uh, which I am doing now um, because I move away and I go to a place like Hong Kong. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. Like after being away for some time, um, I realized it's fine paying double rent, like I said, but you know, like I still have financial stability. It's just Mm -hmm. not, I guess, maximized. Right. But like, again, like I'm living in that gray space and realizing it's totally okay there's a huge Mm -hmm. there's huge room between those two um sort of goal posts i agree i think it's also it kind of just sounds like there was a decision to to put all your ducks in one basket and one bucket (laughs) something like (laughs) all your ducks in one one basket (laughs) in one bucket (laughs) and oh no it's not the duck it's the egg in one basket. <laughs> I, I had a totally different visualization. <laughs> um, yeah, but putting all your big eggs in one basket. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and feeling like you need to make certain decisions. Yeah. Even now, it's trying to learn what the gradient Mm -hmm. is between all in and not at all yeah yeah Mm -hmm. well thank you so much i love catching up with you um and it's really good to hear that i mean i don't know it's it's like crazy because i met you when you were 15 and now you're (laughs) 24 24 (laughs) um and so to hear you say you know all these things and reflect on our time together and how you know you've grown and all the things you've learned ever since like it's kind of yeah it's really special yeah you definitely looked up to you as a role model for a lot of my young adult life i did not plant this in the podcast just saying i know It's a good moment to express it. For those who are listening, thanks so much for choosing to spend time with this pod. I would love it if you continue to tell me what topics you would like to listen to. You can find me on Instagram at firstgenerationpod, or you can just email me and everything is in the description. Thank you so much. Well, I will catch everyone else in two weeks. Bye.